giving myself that freedom and saying, I'm going to better myself. And I'm literally going to bet part of my life savings on myself. And I'm going to work really hard at this. It just makes everything else fade away because no one else is as invested. No one else is taking the chance that you're taking. And so that was really liberating. With podcasting, I got an opportunity to discover that artistry that came from speaking and from being able to get behind a microphone and speak and have no one see what I look like and just do my work and then talk about my work and do the things like that. And in podcasting is how I got my confidence. It's been a fun journey to just be that rebel and to believe in yourself and to believe in the mission and the vision and the ultimate goal of what it is. And for me, it's to help the liberation of our voices. Welcome back to AS Amplifies, a bonus show for Latina creators, entrepreneurs, and professionals who want to amplify their empowering voice through podcasting. I'm your host, Brenda hernandez Jaimes, founder of AS Media and Podcast Manager. For our fourth episode, I'll be sharing my first panel episode with amazing, inspiring, and trailblazing podcasting experts, Elsie Escobar, Juleka Lantigua, and Banco Barrubias. I'm proud to share contigo that I'm part of the powerful movement, Hashtag Claimpod Parity, where women podcasters are joining forces to amplify one another and the diverse voices that have been historically excluded and underinvested. Before we begin, I want to share with you the order of each guest so you know who is who when they respond to the first question. Pam answers first, then Juleka, and finally Elsie. And a quick note, I recorded this panel episode on Riverside, and I usually record my episodes on Zoom, but I was going to be among my podcasting mentors. I had to upgrade my podcasting game and go to Riverside. (sighs) And this lesson is a lesson for you when you record virtually with your guests. Riverside records with your computer's drive memory, so if your guest or you don't have enough space, Riverside will kick you out of the recording. And Riverside did just that for Jalika. It kicked her out around minute 15 or so, and she couldn't log back in. But please don't let this deter you from listening to this powerful panel episode because she gives so many golden advice and tips that I'm going to apply in my own podcasting journey and life. And this is a reminder to you and myself to not fix what's not broken. If something works for you, keep using it. And now, without further ado, let's begin. For this bonus episode, we are having our first panel episode to honor and celebrate the women's podcasting movement, hashtag ClaimPodParity. Women are innovating podcasting in exciting, critical ways and shifting the industry. Top women podcasting experts, leaders, and bosses are coming together to amplify each other and take up space. We are essential to bringing awareness to the talent and expertise of this historically excluded and underinvested voices. What was a male-dominated enterprise is no longer, and women podcasting experts are driving this cultural shift. And it all starts with hashtag ClaimPodParity. Hey, yes, I'm proud and honored to share that I'm part of this aspiring collective. And to amplify hashtag ClaimPodParity, we are doing a panel episode with three of the most influential, inspiring, and trailblazing Latina leaders in the podcast industry. It is my honor 
and privileged to welcome Elsie Escobar, the creator and organizer behind Hashtag Claim Pod Parity. Elsie is a podcaster since 2006 and one of the first female indie podcasters using audio to teach yoga. Her obsession got her a job at the community manager at Lipson, the world's first podcast hosting provider. She has worked with hundreds of podcasters, including myself, about sharing tools for better production, educating us in the fast-moving podcasting space. Elsie also co-runs the largest community for women in podcasting with a corresponding podcast, of course, called She Podcasts. She also cultivates a strong, engaged community through the feed, the official Lipson podcast, which she both co-hosts and produces. Our second panelist is Juleika Latigua. Juleika is a founder and CEO of LWC Studios, an award-winning digital media studio whose original work reaches rising audiences with programming that has a social justice vein. She created and executive produces 70 Million, the first open-source solutions journalism podcast chronicling how locals are tackling jail reform around the country. In 2020, LWC Studios received a Peabody Award nomination, earned silver in the audio documentary category at the New York International Radio Festival, and won the Director's Prize, their first Third Coast Award, also known as the Oscars of Audio. In 2021, Driving the Green Book, which she edited and the company produced for Macmillan Podcast, earned the inaugural Ambi for Best History Podcast. A Fulbright Scholar, Tory Birch Fellow, and Stanford SLEI alumna, Jaleika holds a BA from Skidmore College, a Master's in Journalism from Boston University, and an MFA in Creative Writing from Goddard College. And our third panelist is Pam Covarrubias. Pam is dynamically skilled as a liberation business coach, EFT practitioner, podcaster, and recovering procrastinator. She primarily spends her time elevating first-generation business owners by helping them remove the shame around making money and connecting to their inner voice so they can create liberated business practices. She dreams of co-creating a future where work supports everyone without glorifying productivity and by honoring our inner energy seasons. Pam's approach is a dance between practical success, strategy, and intuitive personal discovery that helps humans stay true to their unique story as we decolonize business practices. Pam's goal is to remove the damages calladita culture has instilled in the first-generation humans in the United States. A topic she explores in her weekly podcast, Café con Pam, staying quiet and submissive is not a stance she supports. Bienvenidas a ellas. Hello, ladies. Thank you for being here. And I'm just excited to start this panel, important panel of hashtag clean pod parity, specifically focused, yes, on women in podcasting, but as in ellas, Latinas in podcasting and how you all three are just bringing forth and inspiring us to share our voices in this space. Thank you for having us. We're very excited to be here, Brenda. You did a fantastic job, girl. This is amazing. I love what you did. She's taking charge. <laughs> Thank you. And to begin, I'm very interested because when I started podcasting in 2017 and when I started AES in 2019, I learned from all of you three. So it's from a listener's perspective, I, and of course, we all go through this journey. I was just so inspired of the confidence and just the quality that you all do and like give to the podcast and especially to our comunidad. So I want to learn how it all started of you being confident in your voice and sharing it and 
not letting the self-doubt stop you and the voices of others stop you. How was that journey like for you three? Well, hello. Thank you for having us. This is super fun. I think the self-doubt in the beginning was there all the time because I was so used to hearing non-Latino voices and especially there were very little women. Elsie was one and it was not something that I could, I saw myself represented and I had to create that. And so what kept me going was to remind myself, well, you're doing it because you want to see it. So show up girl. And so I don't know if it was not there, but it was one of the things that I had to remind myself of why I was doing it so I could keep going. So for me, I had spent 18 years telling our stories. And so I knew that there were infinite stories to be told. I was just at institutions most of that time where there were too many filters through which I had to put you know, any ideas. And the confidence came from spending my own money and basically betting on myself. So if I was absorbing 100% of the risk, then I was also going to, you know, not let other people who were not taking any of the risk in starting a company with me dictate what I was going to do and how I was going to do it. So I think that giving myself that freedom and saying, I'm going to better myself. And I'm literally going to bet part of my life savings on myself. And I'm going to work really hard at this. It just makes everything else fade away because no one else is as invested. No one else is taking the chance that you're taking. And so that was really liberating. I also just made sure that I was starting from my strengths. You know, the first two years were all about building on the things that I knew I could do well already while learning other skills and while learning about the industry. And so that also gave me a lot of confidence that I wasn't starting from zero in an industry that I didn't know. I was already coming in with lots of skills and lots of experiences that translated really well into podcasting. So I just decided to build from that. When I came into it, I feel that it was finally the place that I kind of felt like I belonged because I was doing acting before I was on stage and I went to Hollywood for a little bit and did work there. And unfortunately, the way that I viewed myself and what my capacity was as an actor and as an artist wasn't really seen by anybody because Mm -hmm. I was put in a, a specific lane. You are the exotic person. You are the Latina person, you are like, it always had some kind of, nobody could see me in all kinds of different roles. Like in on stage, if I wanted to be a lead in a play, and especially a classical play, I didn't fit the look that they were looking for because I looked a specific way. And I literally, I'm so white presenting, it's crazy. But even when I went in those stages, I was still like, exotic. And whenever I went inside of in the Hollywood stuff, it all was the same crap where it was like the hot Latina woman, right? And you have to talk in an accent and you have to be all sexy. And those are all things that I just don't do on purpose. And so it was a really hard time for me. So I Oh, you're just accidentally (laughs) hot. Okay, we get it. 
It's in you. It's in you. <laughs> I don't. I mean, seriously, it's like it's one of those things where I got hired all the time with all of like, here's the small outfit. Here's the little thing. This is the thing. And I always had to fight for with all every single time. Can I have more clothes on, please? Can mm. I? And I know that's like all that shit is just it was so irritating to me. So irritating. And so I quit because I was so sad. And then with podcasting, I got an opportunity to discover that artistry that came from speaking and from being able to get behind a microphone and speak and have no one see what I look like and just do my work and then talk about my work and do the things like that. And it was at the time when I started in 2006, it was like no one was doing anything. So I just started to, yeah, I got very excited. In podcasting is how I got my confidence because even when I first started, I didn't take the leadership in my own shows because I thought I had to defer to my co-host. And in the process of doing it, I realized no one's going to give me the mic. <laughs> I have to take the mic in order for me to do that. And so I started to, when I had like a point to make, I would script it and I would put it in front of me. And then when it was my turn to speak, I literally would read it because I didn't know how to speak in a way that I felt that I was being succinct and clear. So I would script my points. And then the more I did that, I got better at it. And it felt so much easier for me to do. I love how everyone just leaned into their strengths and reminded themselves, if no one else is doing it, we're betting on ourselves and just going after it and not putting those filters or knowing that podcasting, there's no filters. The only filters are that the ones that you're imposing on yourself unconsciously, even while you're navigating and producing and giving the storytelling. And as someone who just started their podcast business last year, but has been working in media as well. And when, Jaleika, when you said how you betted on yourself and you said, I'm going to give my savings, that resonated with me because a lot of people who don't understand podcasting, who don't listen to podcasts, and when they hear you say, I'm going all for it in this industry because I see a need in bringing more voices, diverse voices in the space. And people who don't get that are just like, what are you doing with your life? Just got a job at an office. Why can't you do that but work for someone else? Why do you have to do it? What do you say? I wanted to hear your response from all three because especially as a Latina who our parents think you have to have a good job being a lawyer, doctor, or being in the corporate <laughs> office. How do you go about that when amplifying diverse voices? So I was a grown ass woman at this point in my life. I was married. I had children. I had a mortgage. It would have been really difficult for someone to say to me, what are you doing that for? Right? Because I had already made much bigger decisions in my life without their input. And so you know, when you are 42, which is how old I was when I started my company, you pretty much have figured out whose opinion you value and whose opinion you don't. Now, I didn't make an announcement to my family about this. I talked to them for weeks and months ahead of time. And I said, here's what I'm planning. Here's what I'm thinking. Definitely wasn't looking for approval, but definitely wanted them to understand that 
I had put a lot of thought into it and that I had a plan and that I was counting on their support. I mean, my brother was my webmaster, is still my webmaster. And my sister designed our original logo. You know, she's a graphic designer, designed everything at the beginning for free. And so quite literally, they helped me to open up shop. The other thing that happened was I decided that to have a life like no one else's, I would have to sacrifice like no one else. And so I've just started to talk about this, but I was a Lyft driver for two years while I started my company. I would work on my company from nine to five. And from six to midnight, I drove Lyft every night and all day Saturday and all day Sunday and on the major holidays. And on, you know, I often paid my first employee his salary from my Lyft driving because invoices had not been paid in time. You know, I went from making $130,000 as the head of Code Switch at NPR to paying myself $12,000 my first year as my own boss. And so this is the part that people don't get to hear about because it doesn't get glamorized, right? If you want to have an extraordinary life, you have to make extraordinary sacrifices. And so coming up on the fifth anniversary of the company in June, I can confidently say I would do it all over again. I really would. I definitely made a lot of mistakes as a first-time business owner at the beginning. And I just call them expensive lessons. I don't really call them mistakes. I'm like, oh, that was a $15,000 lesson right there. <laughs> made those too. Not going to make that mistake again. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you know? Ooh. And so I think, I mean, I think that that's what it comes down to. I love that. That's something that we talk here on the podcast, Annie. Yes, in order for you to build the legacy that you want, the life that you want to live, it's okay to have another job that sustains you while you're paving your path. And also being truthful about it and being honest, because especially right now in this age of social media, everyone's like, oh, yes, I'm living my dream life. But behind the scenes, behind the phone, like there's bills to pay, there's invoices to pay, you know people to pay who are working with you and like paying the rent. Elsie, fam, can you share your experiences with this? So for me, I've always been a rebel and I never wanted to go the traditional way. However, even though I did, but my dad always told me, do what you love because he grew up with a father who demanded a degree, who asked, and he actually, there are stories where he was like, I'm not, you can't live in my house unless you have a, a degree. And so what my dad did is he handed over his degree once he finished, he, he's an engineer. And then he was like, now I'm going to go do what I love, which is music. And so till this day, he's a musician. And he always told me, you need to do what you love. It doesn't matter. School, who cares? You just need to do what you love. And so that kind of like was in, my, in the back of my head. But I did grow up with, I, with my grandfather and seeing the volatility of both of my parents are entrepreneurs, seeing the instability of that life. I was like, mm, I'm not going to go that way. Let's go the secure way. And I did do a traditional path, but I realized I'm unemployable because I want to fix people's problems all the time and they're not mine to fix. And so when I decided to leave my corporate job, I had to remind myself of why I wanted to do that and how unemployable I am and how I suck at responding to other people telling me what to do. <laughs> I'm just really bad at it. And to Jalika's point, it's really true. I got a coffee job. I was serving coffee in the mornings while I was running my business in the evenings. And I shared this in, in the podcast. And 
on, I think it was the second year anniversary, I cried because I was like, you don't understand. I'm serving coffee in the morning so I can talk to you behind a microphone (laughs) all the time. And so it really is about one of my favorite quotes is you can't have a plan B because if, if you do, then plan A, you are already planning it to fail. And so for me, I had to remind myself constantly that I wanted plan A to work out and to make it happen despite the sacrifices that I had to make. I also had a tremendous pay cut, like where I really had to not spend any money. And, and then when I started making money again, it was hard for me to make to like, oh, I have extra. What does this mean? <laughs> I don't know what that means. I had to kind of like relearn again. <laughs> but it's been a fun journey to just be that rebel and to believe in yourself and to believe in the mission and the vision and the ultimate goal of what it is. And for me, it's to help the liberation of our voices. That's amazing. <laughs> My parents had their hands full with me. So it was, they, they never had to, I mean, there's times now that I think back one day, Jaleika, I'll come on your show and talk about all my mommy and poppy stuff. I'm telling you, I can be like a series of all the things. So <laughs> like, but no, I really had a, yeah, they, you know, there were lots of rules because Salvadorian staunch Catholic family. And I had a hard time speaking up for so many different things, but I had a very vibrant life in my head. So I very much strategized my exit. And so I knew what needed to happen in order for me to leave the house, even though my parents are amazing, by the way, they're sweet and kind and lovely and just awesome humans. But I knew that there was only so much I could do with whatever was going on in my head. And so I excelled at everything because they had no way for them to say no. Right. So I got myself to the university because I needed to leave the house. And I knew the only way to leave the house was to go to school. And I paid for like I got myself my own financial aid. I made sure that they didn't have to pay for that. I got myself grants. I got scholarships. I got all the good grades. I continued doing stuff. And they just they never were able to go like no to me because I would always come back. And even in grad school, I left to go to grad school in a different state. And they didn't even know I applied. And I was like, Hey, mom and dad, I got into a really great grad school. There's only three women and five men and I'm leaving and it's in Denver. Bye. And they were like, what? So I was one of those people that they found out when I did, I moved here. Like I ended up here in where I am now with my love and my children. I was living in LA. And then one day it was just like, okay, I'm leaving. Okay, bye. I'm going to go meet this man. He's, he's over there. And now I'm a pregnant. <laughs> And so, but it's, it's tough because now I do have accountability, which is my lovely other half who will not put up with that. Because after he was like, you do understand that we are in a relationship. And when you make decisions, when you make decisions, it affects the family. I'm like, what? (laughs) (laughs) So, um, (laughs) so I've had to move back in that respect. So this has been really rough, but And I've never really, I mean, I have worked now I'm working and I'm going to reveal some stuff here to you, y'all. But this is the very first year that I've been an employee. How about that? You didn't even know that. I've been working primarily just as a, as a contractor. I just do contracting work. I just, that's it. And so I'm finally, I am an employee now of the company that I work with, but I hadn't been before. 
And and so I had the freedom to be able to have all of the jobs that I wanted to have. Now, you know, I'm 50 years old. And so I have insurance. 50. I'm 50 years old and I have insurance. And so now I'm like, this is neat. I didn't know that that was a thing. Because everything's always been out of pocket, always paying. Oh, taxes. Oh, taxes. <sighs> anyway, I'm still, I'm getting better at those, but they suck. I mean, all of those things. But at the same time, I've never had a nine to five job in my entire life because I've been scrappy at being able to do all of the things. So I need to make money. I have so many things to offer. I can do so many things that I just, you know, give me the page. Like it always comes up. I exactly know how much money to make and people send me money for work, you know, <laughs> done. Yeah. That's been my thing this entire time. Just uh, making it work, man, making it work. Unconventional all the way around. I mean, seriously, we live so far away from the world. <laughs> we have goats. My children are homeschooled. My husband essentially lives in a different house. Because he can't handle us. <laughs> because he's in a, we have like this area. It's like two houses that are rented right next to each other. And then he's got his little house. And then it's our little house. And then I'm like, okay, everybody, you go to your house. I go to my house. And then this is fabulous. We all get so along. And we, it, yeah, that. it's so unconventional. It's nuts. But it works. And we're so happy. And, you know, that's all you really need. <laughs> How fun. Exactly. <laughs> I love that. And I love how each and every one of you has like a different path and experience, but generally the message is the same. You have to follow what you love and you're passionate about. And at the end of the day, you can't ask permission because it's your life. You know, you're the one that's going to live it. You're the ones that is creating the change and the impact. And coming as this because you're not asking for permission and you're creating these spaces within podcasting for us and for others, I'm very interested because this is something that I am passionate about working in media and being in spaces where sometimes we are the only people who are like, you know, sp speak our language, who have the same culture. It's our responsibility when we're creating these spaces and bringing forth these voices and not asking for permission. How are you creating safe spaces for the people that you're bringing on who believe in your mission? who believe in the work that you're doing within podcasting in this industry. Because I think that's something essential and something that I feel like a lot of podcasters may forget along the way or when they even start. Sometimes it's just me, 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 and they don't think about bigger picture. It's not just about you. It's about the audience, the guest, the people who are going to come in and work with you to build this podcast and about comunidad. So how do you create, cultivate, and keep that space safe for you and for everyone else? Interestingly enough, that's a great question. But in looking back now, we didn't have the types of communities that are being created now online. When I started like doing She Podcasts, like that was, nobody was in Facebook group. I mean, there were Facebook groups, but they are not what they are now. And there might've been other communities before, like Discord, not even Discord communities. They were forums mm. communities, you know, like you would just go into a forum and people would talk in the forum, but there really wasn't anything like that. Twitter wasn't really 
that big. I mean, social media just started to come up. So one thing that had really helped us is that we got an opportunity to sort of grow up with the communities and discover things as they started to come up. And so we saw larger communities having to deal with issues that will probably be coming up for us. And that's what we continue to do. We continue to do that. The learning as we watched. I'm a huge inputter. Like that's one of like, I guess, you know, strengths. I input information really quick and then analyze it and then kind of like, ooh, ooh. And I pay attention to lots of different things. And so I was always watching other people deal with stuff and go, we need to figure this out. We need to figure this out. And it was sort of in hindsight. I think it it was different with us when we started in 2014, creating that safe space versus somebody starting now in about 2020, starting something to create a safe space for people because it's different times, different times. So if what I would say is to always think of the most vulnerable first. Always think of the most vulnerable first. Don't take things for granted. Like just get super crazy about being able to look at and go, how would this person feel if this was happening? You know, how can I create a place where I'm able to protect those that are the most vulnerable? So in that respect, you have to start from there and then you can expand into all the stuff because you already covered that part of it. You have to figure that out on your own, though, and be willing to work your butt off because there's some times when you have situations that come up that you're not ready for and they suck the life out of you because you have other things to deal with. And now you have to take care of this thing that you created. It's the responsibility is huge. So even just that, know that you are responsible and that is no one's responsibility but yours. You can't just say like, well, You can't just like wash your hands of the whole thing. It's yours. Yeah, what I'll add is I think a safe space is co-created with all of the members that are part of whichever group. And even the building of a community is co-created because it's something that every single person contributes to. And me as someone who holds the space is, so my role is to, Provide the space not only for the person to exist and or the other people to exist, but also to provide the space for people to share, to contribute, and to even tell me what I did wrong. And I've been actually corrected many times because I have a very heteronormative, culturally upbringing. I have super Eurocentric education. And I've said things in the show that people message me and they're like, no, Pam, that's not, that's actually not (laughs) what it is, you know? And I'm like, oh my gosh, thank you for catching that. And thank you for taking the time to tell me. And so I don't know if that is the definition of a safe space, but what I, my goal is to provide a place where people are, feel safe for them to exist because I also can't be the safety police. I think everyone has their own responsibility to make sure that they exist in the safest way possible. And so I believe in co-creation, collaboration, and just everyone taking part in the journey that we're walking together. Because I'm growing, just like Elsie said, we, we're growing together. Like this is mm-hmm. not, I'm not above anyone at all. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and I think that's like for us as community leaders, I think one of the thing is it's like, You literally are about two steps ahead 
of everybody else. We hope to stay two steps ahead, just two, like (laughs) not a lot, like not like I know all the things, like two steps ahead. So that way you can go like, oh my God, there's a hole there. (laughs) And you're still trying to get around the hole. And you have to really quickly be willing to educate yourself all the time. Because like Pam said, people call you out. And one of the first thing that you do as a human, or at least I've done, is to resist, right? It's like, well, no, or like defer or not take responsibility and say like, it wasn't my fault. Because most of the time it's not. Really, honestly, it's not. It's not your fault. You did not mean to do these things, right? But as a leader, that's still your responsibility. The impact that you had is still your responsibility whether or not you meant it or not. So you have to get better at being able to go, okay, and look at it, dissect it, figure out where your blind spots are, reach out to people that know better than you, people that are not gonna reflect back at you what you want to hear, but in all honesty, the humility that comes from asking somebody like for advice is that you have to sit there, right? And at the same time, you also have to seek out that education and pay appropriately for people to give it to you, right? Whenever you're looking for that, your friends are going to be there for you. And there's a lot of people who are like, you know, part of your posse that are going to do it because they love you. And that's great. But there are going to be times when you have to take that education for yourself. And that's been huge for me too, to be able to educate yourself and to get to a point where you can speak on subject and use language that might feel a little weird at first. You have to internalize it. And then I don't think people give folks the credit for that. You don't just all of a sudden become so eloquent and so (laughs) inclusive in the way that you speak all the words. You have to like really understand what these things are. And they change at the drop of a hat. You know, it's like, Mm -hmm. oh my God. And then you have to listen to your own resistance to things because I like, even within our own Latino communities, you know, Latino and Latina and Latinx and all of the words that (laughs) come to with our community. And I'm like, what the, and I get so confused. And part of it is that I've always identified as somebody from El Salvador. Like when people say like, where are you from? I'm from El Salvador. Like, so Salvadoreña, you just say that. And then when I came here to the U.S., you are this other entity. And is that who I am? But I don't want to tell people that I'm that. Uh-huh. So it's there's always this growth that happens with words. And I've gone through it where I'm like, okay, I'm going to call myself a Latina. I guess that's me. But that's never really fit with me. So I never thought it was okay for me to say, I'm just, I'm from El Salvador. And I felt that I was in some way just not being respectful to Latinos, you know, or Latinas or Latinx, you know, like I didn't know. And so now I go, well, no, I can be from El Salvador and this is who I am. And y soy salvadoreña. Yeah. <laughs> like I have no, I can't, I don't have to apologize to the entire Latino Hispanic experience. (laughs) You know what I mean? But it took me a while to understand that about myself and to be able to understand even the difference between those words, like what's Hispanic, what's Latino, what's Latinx, what's Latine, like what do all of these things mean so that I can go, oh, I think that I like, this fits me, but that Mm -hmm. doesn't discount somebody else's experience if they want to claim those terms. That's fine. 
Exactly. Yes. It's it's a work in progress, right? Like everything, like with every skill, with every piece of knowledge, it's a journey to learn it, to take it in, to dissect it. And then to also see, like you said, Elsie, for me, I, since I was a child, soy mexicana, and it took me many years to even say, well, I'm Mexican American, but I'm technically Mexican because like my family, everyone's from Mexico. (laughs) I was just born here. Like essentially that's the only thing that I have as a Mexican American, but you're right. You know, it's, you are understanding, but also it's not discrediting other people's experiences of if they want to identify themselves with those names or with those type of voices. And like Pam was saying, it's a responsibility. And within this responsibility and trying to navigate this learning experience, but also not losing that confidence in yourself and also navigating this journey, has it become tough? I know we talked about how, Elsie, you said recently, you this past year, you've been an employee and everyone shared their experiences of it gets tough. We have to get additional jobs in order to keep this dream going and this important work going. But throughout this journey, has it ever been a moment where you're like, I need a pause? I need to, not because maybe people are saying you to pause, but more it's your energy. You feel maybe burnt out. It's just building this, these type of spaces and every little piece that it entails to have a podcast and to amplify voices takes a lot of energy and of your mental energy. So are there moments of pauses? And if so, how did you overcome it? And if not, how were you able to take that rate route and just continue forth? All the time. I pause all the time. I work a lot with my inner energy seasons with my cycle. And I lean a lot on the teachings of Mother Earth. And during winter, if you live, also you have snow, right? So if you look at the earth, when it's winter time, it's literally stillness and rest. And so if the earth is able to have a couple of months of rest and literally not work, it's because it's the time to replenish and re resource itself. And so I remind myself that my body has been created to also rest and to also pause and to also take a break and to take a nap if I need to. And it's also a white supremacist principle to overwork yourself to the core to use your body as a working horse. And so I rebel against that because that's not what my body is here to do. My body's here to exist and live a beautiful life and I deserve it and everyone else deserves it. And so I think I also need to model that to say, and I share this on social media all the time. Like, look, there are moments where I show up on Instagram all the time and then you don't hear from me for a couple of weeks because I don't want to be here and that's okay. I don't need to put a facade or a persona that is expected of me because why? So I think giving yourself grace and honoring your needs is just as important so you can continue to show up for others. Absolutely. And to add to that a little bit, I'm a huge fan of aligning with the seasons. I'm That's most of the teachings in both, not only in podcasting, but also in my past life as in yoga and Ayurveda, which is something I studied forever. It's all lined up with cycles and and the seasons. And so I teach it with whoever is mentored by me. This is what is part of the conversation. That's it. Now I've gotten to even deeper type of season. And it is, I do feel it's the crone season for me because I've, I've hit 50. I am a crone and I am sucking that in. So as a woman of a certain age, if you will, I don't even know if that's like a thing. 
it's really been a huge transition energetically for me when you hit that because there is a seasonal thing. And I've noticed for myself that there's a a real deep need to just not, not, not interested. Like there's zero, like, don't tell me I need to do anything because I'm not going to do what I don't want to do. And I don't care. And so you get into a, a point where you get to that. Now I'm just owning it all up. And it feels great. It feels great to be in my own skin. It feels great to be at this point. And I'm still also navigating what Pam said, you know, the idea of like working yourself to the bone, if you will. My husband comes up all the time and he just like, you are, and you know, he talks with me like in the sense of he understands my sort of like the embedded, I can't, yeah, trauma of being from a third world country that was colonized. And so he's constantly going like, you are already here. No one's going to take you away. Stop working. Stop working. And he'll do that to me. And and I'm just like, shut up. And then I realize, my God, I still have that feeling that somebody's going to find out and they're going to send me away. You know, like, it's just like, they're going to take over. Like I have to, Mm -hmm. to work. And he's often said, you are the hardest working person I've ever met. You don't have to do that. You don't. And I still, it's like he's holding me and I'm like, "Mm, but, 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 you know, and it's this survival thing. Mm -hmm. And so I have to catch myself. I have to catch myself, talk with myself, let go. And I often don't succeed because I do have this like drive, but I do see it. I see that it's not helpful sometimes. I see that it's hurtful to myself at times. I recognize that I need more moments of pause and I'm taking them more. So for me, not being on social for the past two years has been, for me, a way to rebel against all of that. And I keep wanting to come back and go like, is the fact that I'm not tweeting incredibly thought-provoking threads and posting on Instagram these long reads, does that make me less than me, than my expertise, than what I'm bringing to the world? And I have to challenge that all the time because then I go, nope, I don't have to go on Twitter to make myself the expert. I don't have Mm -hmm. to do that. I love this because someone who is doing this full-time with AES Media and Podcast AES, There is the survival. And I think we have it from where we come from, from our parents, from our family. And it's so ingrained in us, right? And now that I'm listening to you both, I'm like, that's where that comes. It's a traumatic (laughs) response. It's totally, I'm telling you. It's in your DNA. DNA. I know. It's crazy. And so I never even realized (laughs) that until my husband keeps going like, just stop. 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 (laughs) Yeah. Okay. That's what happened to me last night. I was with my boyfriend and I was working, preparing for everything. And then it was what, almost two in the morning. He's like, you need to stop. Just come to bed. It's two in the morning. Come to bed. You need to stop. You can do that tomorrow. And I'm like, okay. <laughs> I, I, okay. And it's so true, but it's right. If you don't, if we don't take those pauses and I love how everyone listening, if you're not listening to Cafe Compam, listen to it now because Cafe con Pam is like the gentle slap that I need. The gentle slap. <laughs> what the? Every time that I need to. <laughs> you have to use that, Pam. You're going to have to. Yes. That's the way you're going to. You're going to make a quote tweet or something. The tia. 
the gentle slap. The Theo with a gentle slap. (laughs) You know, because like, I I don't want to be slapped so hard (laughs) of reminding me, hey, take pause. And I love with every episode, like, for example, focusing on the mini episodes that you share, you don't overwhelm us, the listeners. And I think everything with creating spaces and amplifying voices, we feel overwhelmed that we have to do everything at once. And then with the response of the the traumatic survival of like doing everything and demonstrating to us ourselves and to everyone that we are here for a reason that we need to tweet and that we need to produce and and create and create and create. And then we realize, no, it's important to take Mm -hmm. pause. If the earth is resting, it's because (laughs) we also need to rest. Totally. And for someone who... You don't need, I truly believe that you don't need to demonstrate to anyone that you are the experts. You already are. You have established yourself as once. You have guided everyone. You've guided me to where I'm right now and where I'm going. But who's someone who is struggling to take that inner creativity? Because I think you have to be very creative in this space, right? Because it's, you have to continue the conversation with every episode, with every conversation and guest. How do you go about it? And I think we've been talking about taking pause of creating the safe space, but to wrap it all up, how do you go within yourselves to take that creative space? And what do you recommend Latinas to do to move forward in their podcasting journey? I would say just do it. And I know that's so simple. But for me, in the way that I like to talk about podcasting is that podcasting, the act of podcasting, the doing of podcasting is its own sort of self-help tool. And it's in the putting together of the voice. Like there are so many different layers to, to putting out a show. I mean, beyond the strategy of production, right? Where you have to you know, if you have people like this, you have to talk with people, you have to create like an intro and get very succinct about what you have to say. You have to get used to being able to listen to your own voice. You have to recognize that maybe sometimes you can say things better in a different way, like just switch languages around, or like maybe you find yourself speaking in a way that you can't understand. So it's not about like code switching, but it's like, you can't understand what you said. Like, those are all things I went through when I'm like, I'm trying to make a point and I can't even understand what I'm saying. So slowing down, like all of those (laughs) things can make you better at who you are. And the better you are being yourself, the more that's going to come through audio, right? So I would say, do it, practice it, do all the things get guests on your show, have interviews with other people, book a panel discussion like this, lead a panel discussion, do a solo show, edit a couple of things together, test yourself and see if you can do like a little storytelling, like a little five minute something where you just put all kinds of neat things together and add music and cut things out. See if you can do that. All of that is going to make you better. So that's what I would say. Do the thing, do the podcasting. and. I promise you, then afterwards, you're going to go, oh, yeah, I now know how to do all these things. Mm -hmm. I'll add, once you do the thing, (laughs) then check your bandwidth. Because I went through this. So once you check your bandwidth, then figure out what you love doing, figure out what you hate doing, and 
delegate mm-hmm. that shit out. And so because I went through a period where I had a editor in the beginning and then I couldn't because I couldn't pay him anymore. And so I had to pay him to teach me how to edit. And it would take me like 10 yeah. hours to do an episode, yeah. literally. And I was like, this is not for me. Like, what am I doing? And so the first thing with like the very little money that I was making it went to hire someone out because otherwise I wouldn't be here because I'm not mm-hmm. one made for edit, <laughs> for editing. That's not my thing. And the other thing is to figure out the bandwidth. So a lot of times typical podcasts are like weekly or whatever, but if you can't do a weekly show, do it a monthly one, but commit to it mm-hmm. because once there's the commitment and you figure out the cadence that when you can do it, then you're training your listeners to listen to you once mm-hmm. a month if that is. But like be committed to whatever it is because I took a break for like a month and a half and people were like, are you, are you alive? What's going on? And I'm like, listen, I can't edit one more episode for 10 hours anymore. I'm tired. And so, yes, do it all and then figure out what you don't yep. want to do. And part of it, that's a learn. That's a huge learning experience that you have to, again, you have to really do it in order for you to know what that is. And there are some people who actually can come into it totally. and be like, mm-hmm. yeah, no, I'm not going to do that. <laughs> that's great because you know, right? That's great. <laughs> but yes. still though, you have to figure that out. I just now, 15 years in, just now, let go of doing some show notes. And I've let go of oh doing the editing altogether just now, <gasps> 15 years later, because I did not want to. I'm glad. I could not do it. And it's, I think that what finally let me let it go is that I wanted to do what I'm doing right now with Claim Pod Parody. Like this, those kinds of things. I thought like, I am editing right now. I I could be doing these other things that only I can make happen. Yes. Right? Anyone can edit. Yeah, everybody yes. exactly. Somebody exactly. else can take on the editing. Like they can do it. Why am I doing this? So I started to realize that what needed to be done in order for the world to shift needed me to be doing this mm-hmm. work, not this work. Mm-hmm. It didn't happen easily as you, you can talk to my partner, Jessica Kupferman and trying to figure out like, just, she's been wanting me to let go of things for so long. And I'm just like, no, no. She's like, you gotta let go. No. And I finally did it because I did hit a wall. I was like, I can't, I can't do it. I can't do it all. I can't do it all. So it was in pain that I let it go because I was in pain. But now that I let it go, I'm like, who cares? Go ahead and do it. I'm over here doing this thing. I have no time yes. for that. I'm glad you let it go. I know. <laughs> this feels great. Because we have clean pod parody now. I know. Right? <laughs> I let it go. Yay. <laughs> and, wow. Honestly, for anyone listening, I took so many golden lessons here. Don't ask for permission. This is your life. This is your voice. This is your space that you're creating a safe space for others, for yourself. And you need to rest while doing it. You need to respect yourself. You need to respect that energy to, in order to amplify voices, in order to be creative, in order to give the best that you can to your audience, as well as delegating 
and seeing what you can do best and thinking always, always in the bigger picture. Because at the end of the day, what we've been talking about, it's all connected. So I learned many lessons here in this panel episode. Muchísimas gracias, because I've learned from all of you. Muchísimas gracias. This is an honor. And before we say hasta pronto, because I do want you back here on Ellas, where can they follow you? Where can they reach you? Where can they join your journey of amplifying our voices? You can follow me on social at the LC Escobar, even though I'm not very active. I'm there. So you can connect with me. And once in a while, I'll tweet or post something. And if not, listen to my podcast. That's how you can connect with me, really. She podcast, we put that out every week. And I do the feed, the official lips and podcast, the other one that comes out every two weeks. And then um, Jess and I have a membership and you can work with us, you know, one on one every week. Zoom calls and all that stuff. That's really how you get to know me and my work is in the membership that we have together. Cause I don't, I don't do much of anything else really. <laughs> I've done enough, man. Y'all can listen to me do a lot in a bunch of different shows. I know. Like, lot, yes. So, enough. <laughs> now, Elsie does a lot, a lot. And it's great for, for the podcasting community. It's amazing. Thank you for all your work. For me, you can follow me at Cafe Compam Podcast on Instagram. And it has to be the one that says podcast because there's another Cafe Compam and that's not me. So I know she's gotten a ton of followers and people are like, yeah, messaging you. And I'm like, no, I'm not. It's the one that has to say podcast. And CafeConpam.com, that's where you can find more of the work that I do. And you can explore all of the different offerings that I have for my business that are super fun. And thank you for having us. This has been super awesome. It's fun to be on the other side. I know, right? Getting questions asked. So good. Being a guest. <laughs> yeah. And for anyone who wants to join the journey of Jaleka, you can follow LWC Studios on Instagram as at LWC Studios and on Twitter as LWC Studios. And you can continue this conversation by heading over to as-media.com where the blog will be available as well. And join us on Instagram at aliasmedia double underscore. And I'll talk to you in two weeks with another inspiring conversation with another empowering Latina who is living their professional dreams, paving the path forward, amplifying our voices, and creating safe spaces for us all. Muchísimas gracias. Adios. What is hashtag claim pod parity? It's a movement to amplify equity in the podcast industry. We've got so much diversity. Hashtag claim pod parity. There is no scarcity, only disparity. Hashtag claim pod parity. So much talent and expertise, launching, producing, editing. Hashtag claim pod parity. What is hashtag claim pod parity? It's a movement to amplify equity in the podcast industry, raising women's visibility. Hashtag claim pod parity. Hashtag claim pod parity. Hashtag
Hashtag claim pod parity. That was Jen Eads, the head brought in charge at the Brassy Broadcasting Company and another amazing podcasting expert who has been pivotal in my journey and who's also part of Hashtag Claim Pod Parity. Muchísimas gracias, Jen, for allowing me to use your song, Hashtag Claim Pod Parity. She wrote and performed this wonderful song for the movement. You can find her through the link in the episode description and show notes. And muchísimas gracias for listening. Let me know your feedback of our first panel episode by leaving a review through Podchaser via the link in this episode description and show notes at agus-media.com. And remember, keep amplifying your voice.